Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Would you like to tell everybody what we have in our window of our house? The um, Christmas decoration? Yeah. In the window. Who is it? The blow up. Oh, buddy the owl. We have, if you guys... I, I thought you were talking about this house. No, if you guys have been to target then you probably have seen the buddy the elf blow up and we've never done a blow up before but we did it and we have it in our window and it's buddy the elf and he's like it's him where he's like it's santa right (laughs) and paint wouldn't paint and saying oh the other house okay so i'll explain it to you so we bought our house last year but now our house is under construction and it's so deep under construction that we can't live there so there's like a bathroom downstairs. We kept the bathroom just in case we had to use it if we were over there working. Um, but there's like no walls. We have everything braced because we have to have it lifted and redo the foundation. You guys probably don't know what that means. But anyways, basically it looks like a, a garage. There's nothing in there. And so we're renting the house literally next door so that we can take care of all the animals. And that was really lucky. So that's why Peyton was like, what's in our window? But the our, our cute house, huh? Yeah. And what did we do to the chicken coop? You mean, <clears throat> Yes, I didn't do it. He put Christmas lights. It looks like a little gingerbread house, so the chickens have their own Christmas house and Christmas lights. And Peyton, house. yeah, it looks like a gingerbread house. And Peyton wanted to do lights all the way down. We have a, like a big piece of property, and we did lights all the way down the property. And what kind of lights did you get? Um, Remember, I was like, I want this, and you want this. Oh, you wanted white and I wanted rainbow. Yeah, because I'm like, I just like it to look so pretty. And Peyton's like, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. <clears throat> I never said that. I just said that because so then when I have all gray and black in my closet, then I can be like, Mom. Yeah. Anyways, looks cute. <sighs> I hope you guys have your Christmas lights up yet. Do you guys have your Christmas lights up? Do you guys do like blow ups? What kind of blow ups do you do? Give us some ideas because maybe we'll add some stuff, huh? Yeah. So cool. I, I love Christmas. I'm excited. So excited. I would have never guessed that you love Christmas, Mom. You never would have? Oh my no. God. Okay, let's get reading. Look at us, the flakiest podcast ever. Right? Mm-hmm. Gosh. We just, honestly, sometimes you just have to be in the mood to read, and I just have not really been in the mood, and you haven't been in the mood either. I have. You just nope. take, like, five minutes to get actually... No, I'm going to correct you. Tonight, you have been in the mood. The past two nights, you have asked me not to read, and I forced it on you on Sunday. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's get into it. Part four, The Raven in Red. Oh, yeah. Remember, she's ran into the raven. Wow. Oh, Jiminy Chrysler. (laughs) Chapter 20. 
Cass, Cassidy, oh God, Cassidy, wake up. I open my eyes and see gray. It takes me a second to remember where I am. Another to realize I'm lying on my back. What, Peyton? Who's gray? Remember when she's across the veil? It's gray. I stare up at the dim, slick stones in the prison ceiling. Jacob crouches next to me, nails digging into my shoulder, and I know something's wrong because I don't I don't just feel his grip. It hurts. His hand is solid on my arm, like flesh and bone. What happened? I asked. It comes out a groggy mumble. Jacob helps me up. I look down at myself and gasp. I'm washed out, faded like a picture. Like Jacob. Like every other ghost in the veil. But it's not the lack of color that startles me. It's the lack of light. The glow behind my ribs, that steady blue-white coil, is gone. It all comes rushing back then. The raven in red, her hand reaching through my chest. The bright ribbon wraps around her fingers. Another memory collides with me. Laura, putting her hand to her chest. We've got something that they want. If she got a hold of, of a life like yours, it would be disastrous. I stagger to my feet, head spinning. Where is she? The cells to every side are filled with prisoner ghosts, but I barely register any of them as I stumble up the stairs to get out of the castle courtyard. The square is full of ghost soldiers, carrying bonnets, men in fine-cut clothing, women in corset dresses, but there's no sign of the raven. I reach out to grab the veil, to wrench, the, wrench it inside and plunge back into the world of the living, but my fingers close on nothing but air. No, not again. Cassidy, says Jacobs, but I have to focus. I close my eyes and try to imagine the gray cloth against my fingers, the curtains brushing against my palm, and I catch a hold of something, thin, but there. I open my eyes and let a shaky breath out when I see the veil in my hands, but when I try to pull the fabric aside, I can't. I can't find the part in the curtain, because there is no part. The veil wraps around my fingers, blending slightly into the pressure, with pressure, but no matter how hard I peel, the curtain won't let me through. I throw my weight against the gray cloth, and it stretches, pulls tight, but it doesn't break. No wonder it's hard for ghosts to touch our world, to leave any kind of mark. But I'm not a ghost. I'm an in-betweener, a bewixter, a veil-crosser. That means I've got a foot on either side. That means I can get back. I have to be able to get back. Jacob's saying something, but I can't hear him, not over the white noise of panic in my ears, and then the shock when I see her. She's all the way across the courtyard on the other side of the veil, but I can see her, clear as glass, as if anybody cut one window out through the fog, her red cloak, her black hair, the light of my life coiled around her hand. The raven looks back at me across the veil and smiles. Then she turns and slips through the crowd. I can't let her get away with this. I can't let her get away. But she's already gone, and I'm left banging on the veils hard from the curtain to the wall against my hands. Jacob's voice finally registers. I'm so sorry, Cass. I tried to warn you that it was a trap. You shouldn't have come after me. I had to, I said, but the words sounded thin, even to me. I looked down at my hands again. They're not as bright as they should be, not as colorful, not as real. No, no, no. The world rattles in my head. Suck? Yeah. I don't know if it's denial or the fact that I'm trapped in the veil like all the other ghosts. And just like them, I can't face the truth. The truth. That without the light, without that life, I'm the opposite of living. I'm dead. 
No, Jacob says with urgency, you're not the opposite of living. You're just temporarily without life. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. You can read minds. Yep. And those are very different things. You see, one is gone forever, and the other is simply misplaced. So all we have to do is find your life and get it back. I'm usually the one dragging Jacob away from morbid thoughts, and even if he's trying so hard to make me believe, I'm still relieved that he's trying. It even gives me something to hold on to. Cassidy, I turn around at the sound of my name. It's coming from a far away, distorted by the veil, drawn out into something high and thin. But I know that voice. I've always known that voice. Mom. And suddenly my panic turns into a different shade. Mom, I call back. But my voice calls out like the opposite of an echo. Muted. She'll never hear me. I press myself against the veil, straining to see out into the world of the dead, into the land of the living. It's like shoving your face into a bowl of water. No air. Everything's kind of swimmy. Cassidy? It's dad calling this time. At first, his tone is casual, just as they simply haven't spotted me, as if I've wandered off again, just like before. But every time my parents say my name, their voices get tighter, higher, the worry creeping in. I'm right here, I shouted, and all around the courtyard, the old-fashioned men and women turn their heads. But beyond the veil, my parents keep calling my name. I can see them, but they can't see me. I can hear them, but they can't hear me. And suddenly, I believe what Laura said about ghosts not being in the veil by choice about them being trapped. Those don't stay there because they want to. They stay there because they can't move on. Dad pulls his cell phone from his coat, and my heart picks up as I dig for the emergency phone in my pocket. I clutch it until my fingers ache, but I already know it won't work. Dad dials, waits, but the phone in my hand never rings. Finley appears beside my parents, his Scottish his Scottish lilt a little more than a whisper through the thickening of the wall. I'm sure she hasn't gone far. He has no idea how right he is. We'll find her, he continues. I turn towards Jacob. You've got to get her attention. We have to do something out there. Jacob pales. Cass, I've never been able to. Please, I beg you. I, you have to try. Jacob swallows hard and gives a determined nod. Okay, he says, stay here. As if I had a choice. He reaches out and the veil manifests around his fingers. Solid but solid but pliant bending for a second as he presses against the curtain with a thick fog as it thins i can see the world beyond and i think it's going to work but then jacob's hand begins to shake and the veil repels him jacob stumbles backwards and my heart sinks i don't understand he said rubbing his fingers but i think i do jacob and i has have always been tangled up tangled up tied together and he's always been able to cross over but that was when i could too he could come into my world and i could go into his but now that I'm trapped here, so was he. A soldier ghost cuts off in front of us, blocking my view. The veil ripples and the world beyond it fades like a dream. It's no place for children, growled the soldier, gesturing to the castle. Get ye gone or I'll toss you in the prison cell. My parents' voices are fading. Wait, I say, trying to slip past the shoulder. The soldier, he cuffs around me in the collar of he cuffs me around the collar and shoves me backwards into Jacob. We go stumbling onto the cobblestone. The soldier's glowering at us. Jacob gets up and pulls me to the feet, to my feet. Come on, he says in my ear, we can't stay here. But we can't just leave my parents either. Jacob wraps his arm around me and squeezes. We're going to figure this out. His voice is an anchor. His words are a raft. You're right, I said. I have to get my life back.
I pull free and start towards the castle gate, forcing myself away from my parents and Finley to find the crew, oh, and the crew, away from the sound of my name in the air. Jacob doesn't have to ask where we're going. He can read my mind, so he already knows. We're going to go get help. Do you think that the girl that she met, the one that is also like her, is going to find her? Mm. I think that's the only way she's going to be able to get out of there. What do you think? Yeah. I think so, too. Spooker, 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 spooker.